1: welcome back to the Seth liebson show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty uh if you'd like to weigh in the um the uh end of title forty two is nigh coming uh this was uh, an emergency basically a band aid to help us uh, solve the border problem and uh Or at least to help staunch some of the blood, the bleeding uh, that is taking place at the border. Uh, Debbie Lesko, who uh, represents the 8th Congressional District, is uh, about to join us here in just a moment. In fact, I think we have her now. Congresswoman Lesko, welcome back to the show. How are you?
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Seth. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm flying back to D.C. tomorrow morning so that we can vote on a border security bill.
1: Good. I want to hear about it. Uh, before we hear about it, um, tell the audience, you know, they hear, they're they used to Washington speak, tell the audience what Title 42 is and uh, what, it, what it really is going to mean when it expires at the end of this week.
2: Well, Title 42 was implemented by uh, President Trump. And it basically allows um, us or the Department of Homeland Security and Border Patrol to turn back illegal immigrants at the border due to the COVID public health emergency. Mm -hmm. It's going to be expiring um, this Thursday. President Biden has been trying to expire it for Mm -hmm. a long time because he believes in open borders. And so that's what's happening this Thursday, and what's going to happen, as can be seen, is there's a bunch of illegal immigrants waiting on the other side of the border. Uh, even the Biden administration projects that there'll be 10 to 13,000 illegal immigrants crossing our border each and every day. Uh, this is
1: just just incredible. You know, I saw um, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, say Friday quote I have the quote. I wrote it down. I do not want to understate the severity of the challenge that we expect to encounter. It's like a preemptive surrender. He's already saying, oh, we know it's going to be a disaster. Well, why the hell won't they do something about preventing it if they know it's coming and they're even willing to admit it?
2: Uh, because they want open borders. Right, right. I mean, I've, yeah. I've come to that conclusion because when. The Democrats were in the majority in the U.S. House. They tried to pass all kinds of legislation to prioritize illegal immigrants over U.S. citizens. President Biden on day one uh, stopped construction of the border fence. He, he stopped the Remain in Mexico policy, which would uh, require that people that are claiming asylum stay in Mexico or another safe country. He did the opposite just to have an open border. And that's why there's people coming from all over the world crossing our southern border.
1: And, it's, and the funny thing is, uh, Debbie, that funny thing, odd thing, predictable thing, every time he invites them either explicitly or implicitly as he's doing here, they come. They come.
2: Yes. Of course they come, because they know there's an open border. And then, you know, on top of it, you know that President Biden and the Democrats, they want to give free stuff away to everybody, you know, free student loans. Let's give people with bad uh, credit ratings. Um, Let's charge, let's give them a break and charge people with good credit ratings more. I mean, everything is upside down. It's just incredible to me.
1: It really is. Yeah.
2: But the U.S. House of Representatives, we plan to pass a border security bill uh, this week out of the U.S. House of Representatives, and it's a really great bill. It does a lot of things that will secure the border. It includes uh, saying we need to finish construction of the border wall. We need to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy so that when illegal immigrants come here and claim asylum That they are able to do that, but they have to wait in either Mexico or another safe country, uh, until the close to safe country, right?
1: Yeah. The first country that's, yeah, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. And yes. And we're going to end the catch and release program that's in there now. So people that come here will either be detained or they will be turned back at the border. Uh, we're going to add funding for more border patrol agents and uh, give them retention bonuses because right now their morale is so low because they yep. can't do the job that they were hired to do. I've seen it. And so we're, we're going to make sure we re- require e-verify mm-hmm. uh, so that people uh, that uh, are illegal and, and not able to work are not getting jobs. Yep. And so you know, these are all things that are going to help secure the border.
1: I agree with you. I I I, I agree with every one of those common sense provisions. The I assume I assume it won't have a problem passing the House, and if we assume that and that's right, what is the chance? I mean, the Senate is it's it's a it's a slight majority Democrat, but you got to. You got a few possible takers over there. Do you think it can get through the Senate, or do you think it's DOA? You
2: know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I mean, you even had uh, you know Kirsten yeah, Cinema yeah. come out recently, and she uh, wanted to extend joined. Title
1: Forty Two. Is yeah, I, yeah, right. yeah. yeah?
2: She did. Uh, with the Republican, but then she also did a joint. Um, op-ed, I think, or a letter with Juan Ciscomani, right. the representative right. from the Tucson area, yeah. um, you know, saying that this is a problem and we need to, the border is not secure, that the Biden administration has not been prepared, and they haven't. I mean, they've been fighting t- uh, implementing Title 42 all along, um, and, you know, it, 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 they want open borders. That's all I can say. They want open borders.
1: The reason I guess is why, uh, or the question I guess is is why, and, and I guess we need psychology degrees to figure this out. I can never quite tell if this is some kind of long-term plan to get more Democrats to affiliate. I can't, you know, to register and affiliate, or if it's, you know, even more nefarious than that, Debbie Lesko, where they just, they just you know, they, they want things to kind of s- suck around here. I, I just can't figure it out you know the worst well
2: thing. i did you yeah. know i can not I, I don't know what what their long term goal is but to me the common sense thing would be twofold one you get more residents in uh, Democratic areas, yeah, right? right? So if they have these sanctuary cities, you get more residents. Well, congressional seats are based on yeah. the, the census, yeah. not based on U.S. citizens, that's right. Right? That's right? So then they would get more congressional seats. To me, that's one of them. Yep. And I think a long-term goal is have all these people vote. Yeah. you know, And they seem to think that the, all these people are going to vote Democrat because the Democrats let them across the border. But you know, I don't think that's necessarily the truth, because right now a lot of Hispanics agree more with Republican principles instead of these wacky, radical um, anti-family, anti-baby uh, Democrat policies.
1: Yeah, there is that interesting divide, uh, and I understand the, 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 the coming here for economic freedom, and in some cases political freedom, but then there is this also, I mean, I've seen it, you've seen it in, in many of these churches we've probably both spoken at, where, you know, we're, we're, we're sometimes the only English speakers, but they agree with us on 99% of the issues with the translator, right? You've seen it, and I have too. Or, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh,
2: yes. I yeah. mean, this is the Hispanics that I know that are that are part of our culture in Arizona. are Very hardworking people, yeah. entrepreneurs, very pro-family, very pro-life, uh, very pro-religious freedom, yeah. and that's opposite of what the Democrats are pushing. I know, Instead, and yet
1: that Democratic yeah. Party has a lock on them still. But I, I guess we're breaking it up. I guess we're doing. We've been doing better in each subsequent election. Uh, And that is the unwritten story here. But in the meantime, we do have a huge immigration problem. I should say illegal immigration problem. And with this bill, which you guys are doing, I'm I'm looking forward to highlighting it all week and pushing it all week. I I mean, I think this is going to be a great, great messaging point for the Republican Party. I think it will be, especially when you're looking at the polls with Biden on the ropes a little bit. That was kind of surprising to see, wasn't it? Maybe the people are waking up a little bit, huh?
2: Well, I would, I would hope that people are waking yeah. up a yeah. little bit. I mean, the guy—if if there was a plan to destroy our country, I, 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 Biden's plan is it. I yeah. mean, everything, everything—having yeah. the borders wide open, turning everything upside down, giving free student loans to people. Um, You know, incentivizing people to have bad credit with his new mortgage program where he wants to charge more for people that have good credit and give a discount to people that have bad credit. I mean, what kind of insanity is that?
1: It's insanity. You said it. It's upside down, but you're not. You see straight and you're walking straight and tall and strong. Thank you, Debbie Lesko, for everything.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks for... uh, uh, standing
1: up for our values. You bet, Chad. It's not hard. It really isn't. Thank
3: you, Congresswoman Lesko. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Threats to our financial
1: freedom and stability are growing. Brazil, India, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, they're all now conducting international trade in their local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration, meanwhile, sends hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. But the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash. Big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to social credit, the end of financial privacy? Own private currency, gold, and silver. Now get free silver just for asking the Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com, MidasGoldGroup.com. Well, we'll wait, uh, as I said in my monologue, for the toxicology screens for a lot of these people in the news who have been uh, involved in violent outbreaks, some leading to death, unfortunately, like Jordan Neely. I don't know if we'll ever see the light of day on them, but we just did get reported testimony that he was a regular uh, heavy user of synthetic marijuana, which uh, exacerbates, if not triggers, A lot of psychosis. Um, That was uh, from the testimony of of an acquaintance of his. Um, Let me let me give you a Lisa Finley today. Let me give you a Lisa Finley at The Wall Street Journal. The World Health Organization on Friday acknowledged that the COVID-19 emergency is over six days before the Biden administration's declaration is set to expire. It's nice of them to concede to reality, however belatedly. How about addressing more pressing public health problems that, is, that have festered as they've obsessed about the virus? Don't hold your breath. Developing countries are seeing a resurgence of deadlier infectious diseases such as cholera, and tuberculosis, measles and polio, just as Hugh Holman said they would. In the U.S., young people are experiencing persistent problems that were aggravated by lockdowns, including increased death, mental illness, drug overdoses, and a detachment from the workforce, just as we said they would. We should call the phenomenon long COVID lockdowns. Officials are trying to absolve themselves of responsibility for the post-COVID malaise by disclaiming the lockdowns. Show me a school that I shut down and show me a factory that I shut down, Anthony Fauci told the New York Times last month. I never did. Dr. Fauci added, did we say that the elderly were much more vulnerable? Yes, we did say it over and over again. Yes, yes, yes. But somehow or other, the general public didn't get that feeling that the vulnerable are really, really heavily weighted toward the elderly. You know why they didn't? Because those of us who pointed it out were continually censored. That's why. Dr. Fauci told the American Society of Microbiology in August of 2020, quote, We'd better be careful when we say young people who don't wind up in the hospital are fine. Let them get infected. It's OK. No, it's not OK. Young people get sick and symptomatic enough to be in bed for a week or two or three and then get better. They clear the virus and have residual symptoms for weeks and sometimes months. Quoted, close quote. He said this ad nauseum to justify shutdowns, even though he knew young people were at low risk of severe illness. The Centers for Disease Control, here's what you won't hear about. This is the important part. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Friday, and there's a reason they do this on Fridays, reported that deaths from unintentional injuries, which is the fancy phrase for mostly drug overdoses, Deaths from drug overdoses last year exceeded those from COVID. Okay? Drug overdose deaths, drug poisoning deaths, that's what we should call them, not overdoses, poisonings. They're not overdoses, they're a dose, and you get poisoned from it. Drug poisoning deaths last year, in 2022, exceeded deaths from COVID. But while the vast majority of COVID deaths have been among older people, Drug poisoning deaths, even at the peak of the pandemic, were the leading cause of death among younger people. Politicians blame fentanyl pouring over the border, which has contributed to this. But notably, drug deaths were flat in the two years preceding the pandemic. They spiked as government lockdowns took hold, plateauing early last year as life finally returned to normal after the Omicron surge and shutdowns. But fentanyl isn't the only product that we need to be worried about. Between 2019 and 2021, methamphetamine poisoning deaths more than doubled and cocaine deaths rose 54%. These figures don't account for the increase in drug-related deaths that aren't a result of overdose poisonings. Politicians treat weed as harmless, but it's linked to a significant higher risk of stroke and heart attack and violence. So has abuse of prescription stimulants, such as Adderall, to which young people increasingly turned. One trillion health analysis of insurance claims found Adderall prescriptions increased 60% between 2018 and 2022, 2022 among adults 22 to 44, and there's now a shortage of that drug for those that need it. At the same time, surprise, surprise, could this be a coincidence the same analysis found an increase in healthcare visits for anxiety disorders, substance abuse and alcohol disorders, and depression. Was that a surprise? During the first eight weeks of this year, deaths among adults 25 to 44 were running about 25% higher than in 2019, though COVID could account for at most less than 10% of these deaths. Premature death and drug use, no doubt, are among the reasons for the persistent worker shortage. The White House boasts the labor force participation among 25 to 50 year olds has finally returned to pre-pandemic levels. But as it even somewhat concedes, the main reason is a surge in immigration. Much of it illegal. The number of Native American born, excuse me, the number of Native born Americans in the workforce has risen only 2.8 percent since January of 2021 versus 12.2% for immigrants. Employers are no doubt happy that immigration crush is making it easier to hire, but what will happen to all young Americans who drop out of life? This is our concern, dude. It's our big concern. These are the greatest of concerns and we're treating it like nothing. The way we treated COVID, which was, as we said, the lesser threat, than all the fallout from what we did about COVID. And we're not going to touch it in any way near the same way, not anywhere near the same amount of attention, not anywhere near
3: the same amount of prevention messaging it requires. That's our failure. Welcome back
1: to the Seth Leapson Show, 602 uh tale of just two kinds of people here bill bill got got his promotion and he's over to my right behind the bulletproof glass and I walked in there and he 's got a tub. How big is that tub of peanut butter you had a spoof four four ounces no four pounds yes yeah you're sitting there with a spoon in a jar a four pound jar of peanut butter looking like Winnie the Pooh with a pot of honey. Then I got over here in my direct sites, producer David, earlier eating the most delicious thing I've ever seen in my life, which was a, what was that, a roast beef and cheese sandwich being dipped into a bowl of chili? Is that what the delectable thing is you were eating?
0: Oh, that's exactly right.
1: It looked fantastic. And it's unfair of both of you to do this to me. You can't do this to me. I don't eat during the day. And I'm looking at this roast beef sandwich looked amazing. (laughs) <laughs> it really did what it looked like it was perfectly made you're kind of a you're kind of a, a gourmet aren't you people an don't
0: sure chef you might say
1: people don't know that about you didn't you used to do videos about cooking and stuff? yes
0: i have videos up on instagram about cooking yeah, yeah. Sh-
1: should we tell people to go there
0: uh, we we could but I'm not much of a popular figure but sure they can go and check them out. Yeah.
1: What's your Instagram account? My
0: Instagram is answer the call with doll. That's all one word. Yep.
1: Answer the call with doll and you can see him making things like uh, lobster thermidor and all kinds of delicacies. Actually, I don't know if you do a lobster thermidor. I'm not that a lobster yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll well, show you how to do to find that. Find one in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, find one in Arizona first. Steve Hayward. Uh, yeah, you're going to see this. You've, you've already got the uh, you already got the cues from um, Joe Biden's campaign announcement and his ad that he released uh, today called The Flag. Just so you know, it's about the American flag. I really wish someone would ask him, I, I, as I said in my monologue, it would be a great question if it's OK now to have an American flag, because the video opens up with a young girl putting a flag in her portico and know this this is a man who who bestrode the sixteen nineteen project and played it to a fairly well um, during the campaign where the founder of it said that the American flag means nothing to her. Um, does he agree with her or is that time over? Does the flag mean nothing when there's a Republican in office and now we're taught it's supposed to mean something when there's a patriotism's now okay? Well, you wonder as I said because in his ad, On the flag, as in his speech, he talked about the threat of the extremist Make America Great Again movement. I don't know how you instill patriotism or run on patriotism when you're saying that the notion of making America great is an extremist notion. But then again, I guess, I guess the consistency doesn't matter. You just got to get through the news cycle. And the way you get through the news cycle is not taking serious questions. Did you see this interview Joe Biden did on MSNBC with Stephanie Ruhl? She's kind of a a lightweight liberal. But my gosh, my gosh, he, uh, he said that it's his task to keep President Obama out of office. I didn't say that incorrectly. That's what he said. And then he clearly couldn't, and then he knew he did something or had something not quite right because he then said to keep the man out of office from the last four years. He couldn't think of Donald Trump's name, which I think makes him the only American in our country who can't remember Donald Trump's name. It's really odd. It's really odd someday, some of these journalists who have been covering for him, like that one who was covering for Fetterman and finally told the truth, someday we're going to hear the testimony of these journalists about what it was like off camera with Joe Biden. And uh, their comeuppance will be that they were part and parcel of Hans Christian Anderson
3: hoax here in America. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. How do you think uh, the economy is going
1: here, folks? Banks, stock market, possible recession on the horizon, inflation. What if you can invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? Our friends at Y-Refi have that very thing for you where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I know them. I've been there. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just log on to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Doug is in Phoenix. Hello, Doug.
3: Hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, I was I was in the car coming back from shopping. I heard you uh, interviewing Debbie Lesko. I'm in her district. Uh-huh. And um, apparently the Republicans are um, passing a new bill, or attempting to pass a bill. Mm -hmm. But your discussion with her kind of confused me a little bit. Oh, okay. The way you referenced Democratic lawmakers. Okay. Almost like as if, uh, boy, they're making a mistake or something like that. I'm sure you read primus, don't you? Uh, From Hillstown? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you read the latest one? No. No, what is it? it? Uh, he really summed it up. He Who was is it? He's talking about the economy. Uh, I, I don't remember the guy's name. Oh, okay. I don't have it in front of I'll, me. I'll look it up. But, but the way he explains it is that these Democratic lawmakers, policymakers— they're not dumb. Oh,
1: it's Andrew Pooster, the former uh the former secretary of uh I think treasury under uh Trump if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, my wife is just getting it right now. Yeah, something. no, I
1: see it. Okay, the um, the Biden economy and how it could be fixed.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but they know exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, they're doing this intentionally. Um, some of the lawmakers don't realize that. They might not be the brightest bulbs, I don't know. But they're told how to uh, vote, and given the reasons, their reasons why it's going to help people. But the whole idea here is to cause confusion, chaos, fear. It's it's classic um, uh, communist uh, manifesto type stuff. And I, you know, I sometimes make me sound like a nut, maybe. But I really believe that's what's happening. Well,
1: no, I I don't think it makes you sound like a nut. I I have often spoken here about the crisis industrial complex that we are meant to be living in, where everything is a frenzy. I have often spoken about the Leninist notion of the worse, the better. And I think it (laughs) dominates large parts of the Democratic Party. I think it occupies large parts of the Democratic Party.
3: I do, too. I I am just. uh, I'm. I'm pretty old. I'm 76. But I do think that. I. I, You know.
1: I do think that there's a series of mixed motives when it comes to the Democrats and border policy. I'm not sure it's entirely that. I think there is that. That. That degree of it. But I think there's a lot of other motives as well. I think some of them, Debbie mentioned. Um, I think some of them include, uh, you know, perhaps long-term. Long term goals of 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 of, um, of adding House of Representatives and electoral vote counts to blue areas, uh, blue states and blue congressional yeah. districts. I, th- I think that's a part of it. Um, I think there is a misplaced notion of compassion in some of it that thinks that, you know, it's the United States duty to just take in anyone who wants to come here at any time for whatever reason. Um I think there's some of what you said I think there's some of there's some thinking that there's nothing special and important about protecting here anyway I I mean I it, when it comes to the border policy just having been around it in Washington for so long I think there's a series of motives all of which leads to the same vote of course yes. uh, all of le- which leads to the same result um but it is it it is creating chaos it's creating tremendous expenditure it's creating tremendous. Um, it's creating crime. I mean, y- you could, you could. I mean, y- you could find almost every dollar education professionals say they want. If you took a look at how much we spend on just the education port portion right. of this, um, with regard to illegal, uh, uh, illegal alien and illegal aliens and their children, um, so I, th- there's there's just a lot of it here that. It's hard for me to understand why a party that can care so much about the borders of Ukraine just can't see the reason to care about the borders of America.
3: Exactly. It's very hard for I, me uh, to assess that. I, I just really have a hard time accepting so many people are woke. And I'm talking about people I know, people who are intelligent. I always thought were intelligent. Mm-hmm. How can anybody be woke? It just makes no sense to me. Well there's
1: this power the way, of ideology. I, also, I I mean there's a power of ideology at play here that yeah, has ever been with that's us. That's my point. Yeah, no, it's ever been with us, Doug. Um you know, there's there's always been an attraction to left wing and progressive policies. I've just never seen so much uh adherence and affinity towards it. Um I I've I've I, it, it's it's an incredible thing to me, but it has taken about thirty years to implant here. And I give you our nation's yeah. schools, which have been pushing it for the last 30 years. Um, okay. You know, education changed. Uh, education changed since you were in school. It's changed since I was in school, and I'm younger than you um, by a bit. Uh, oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, but but they have a long-term plan. They have a long-term view. We used to. We used to. And, um, you know, it's my hope that we can again. The problem is... ...that these things require political solutions. They require political solutions, which means they require politics. And to get politics done, it requires winning elections. And until we can wed the concerns you have and I have... ...to the notion that none of it matters if we can't win elections... ...and finding the candidates that can speak to these things... ...and win on these things and do these things then all of it is for naught. Um, we, ha- we have to we have to pretty get pretty serious about our political thinking here. We have to get pretty serious about not just fulminating, but recruiting candidates and the right candidates, candidates that know what they're talking about and can win and can defeat Democrats. Because I don't think a lot of these Democratic races are against candidates that are 9, 10, 11, 12 feet tall. I just don't. And... Um, I, like with so much else i guess doug we're the problem we're the problem that's what i think and it's interesting to me that when you think about all the things involved in the immigration issues that you know there are portions of this party that want us not to talk about them i think that's really interesting
3: okay we'll be right back thank you sir This is so
1: interesting to me. Uh, you may have missed it, um, but there was an obituary over the weekend of a once very, very, very famous lawyer by the name of Newton Minnow. Is that name meaning anything to you, David? He no. was uh, first chairman of the Federal federalm communica- not the first. He was John F. Kennedy's chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, and uh, he gave a very famous speech in nineteen sixty one To the National Association of Broadcasters. He created the phrase, if you've ever heard the phrase, a vast wasteland, that was his creation in 1961 from that speech, which was condemning television. Um, He said, and I'm quoting in that speech, when television is bad, nothing is worse. Remember, this is 1961. When television is bad, nothing is worse. I invite each of you to sit down in front of your television set so when your station goes on the air and stay there. For a day, without a book, without a magazine, without a newspaper, without a profit and loss sheet or a rating book to distract you. Keep your eyes glued to that set until the station signs off. I can assure you that what you will observe is a vast wasteland. Now, then he said this. It's 1961. You will see a procession of game shows, formula comedies about totally unbelievable families, blood and thunder, mayhem. Violence, sadism, murder, Western bad men, Western good men, privatized gangsters, more violence and cartoons, and endless commercials. Many screaming, cajoling, and offending, and most of all, boredom. You'll see a few things you enjoy, but they will be very, very few. And if you think I exaggerate, I only ask you to try it. That was 1961. He really angered uh, the TV industry. So much so that uh, one of the most popular sitcoms to come on air, to uh, to invent itself on air shortly after that speech, was um, Gilligan's Island. And do you remember what the name of the shipwrecked boat was that you saw the image of the in the Minnow. opening scenes? What was it? The SS Minnow. Well done, sir which was an attack on Newton Minow, an implied attack on Newton Minow. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't. Now yeah, I get it. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah, comes full circle. Um, that was their implicit attack against him. That was 1961. How have we been doing since, huh? How have we been doing since? Uh, I would say not any better. I wish someone would have sat down with him for an interview before he died, revisiting that. I don't think there is one. I'll talk to Tevi Troy about it. He'll have some interesting insights on that. Don't go away. Brandon Weikert coming up. We'll be right back.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn